What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. I am your host, Junkyard James. And there beside me in the same spot as every week. Probably the biggest Sting fan you will ever meet. He might cry on this podcast, by the way. His name is K-Dog. It's a somber day, my friend, as we say farewell to the icon. How are you holding up, my friend? I think we should I, I think we'll be good tonight. I think it'll be Sunday that the reality will hit. Sunday's gonna be a night of celebration and a little bit of sadness, but I am looking forward to it. I have been so excited for this show for months, and it is almost here. Three days away, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. It's crunched. It's going to be a fantastic show with an awesome send-off. How are you doing, sir? Well, whatever sickness that you had over the past couple of weeks, months, however long you've had it, apparently I picked it up along the way because um, <clears throat> I can't stop coughing, and I think I've blown more snot out of my nose this week than – I've ever in my entire life, but I'm hanging in there and I'm on the, I'm on the, the recovery. I will be there at Greensboro Coliseum. I promise I'm not sick anymore. I just, we, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there one day at a time. Um, and I think it's cool. Uh, before we kind of break in, when we talk about the send off, I don't know if you've seen this, but the Greensboro Coliseum has been tweeting every day with, three days left or four days left, three days left with like the Sting font and memor. I think that's pretty cool that the arena itself yes. is kind of memorizing Sting. Um, and then mm-hmm. before I start my rant, like I said earlier this week on social media, I have a rant that I want to talk about, but we, I want to make sure that we get through some of the housekeeping things first. Um, first off, if you're here watching, check out the chat. Maybe we'll talk to you as we get through the show. And we see DJ Wavy D here <clears throat> talking about how our punctuality has been amazing. You know, we we can't, we can't be late for Sting. So, uh, you know how that goes. So if you're here and you're watching, check into the chat and say hi. Let us know how you guys are doing and if you are excited for AEW Revolution coming up this Sunday as well as send us a like and share the video comment subscribe to the channel subscribe to all our social medias you can go to junkyardmediagroup.com and find all of our social media pages we debuted it last week we are a WWE shop affiliate. The link is in the description. We debuted the video last week, but I feel obliged to play it again for those who maybe didn't see it. We're going to play it again, and we might keep playing it every week until I can come up with another creative thing to do for the show. Yeah, Thank you to the uh, WWE uh, shop. I'm not. I'm not rapping. I will say that it ain't happening. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to do something. Um, we'll, so we'll see what we can do creative wise to 
do it. But thank you to the WWE shop. Link in the description. Um. Anyway, yeah. Let's let's play the video. Junkyard. As we head to WrestleMania season, that's a reason to fill your shopping costs with all the merch you be needing. Maybe you screaming, yeah, for the man LA night. Or maybe your fingers up repping Tribal Chief all night. Or maybe you finished the story, maybe Gory rocking Cody Rhodes t shirts in your Snapchat story. Get your favorite rest of this merch all up on the internet. All the t shirts, championship titles at your fingertips. All you have to do is hit the link in the description. I can't forget to mention TM Punk, can't be missing. Or else he may throw hands and make me feel for my life buy your shirt up in the shop and wear it proudly all the time thanks to wwe shop for partnering with your boys click the link right now and fill your carts with even more yeah so yeah uh, go to the link in the description. You can't buy this shirt that I'm wearing on the shop. Or this one that I'm wearing. Or that one that he's wearing. But I do think they have some NWO stuff, and Sting was part of the Wolfpack. So you can you can buy that shirt off of there. Or R-Truth new shirt. If you like Roman Reigns, you can buy his stuff or, or, or whatever. Um, but link in the description. You can, you can help out the podcast by using our link. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, I'm I'm gonna die tonight on live on the podcast because of this um, COVID death cough. Is what I like, or post COVID death cough, as I like to call it. It's not the scorpion it's my death the, uh, it's my Not the scorpion <laughs> death lock. It's <laughs> it's the yeah. post COVID <laughs> death cough. Um, yes, yes. The coffin. The coffin drop. <laughs> coffin drop. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Yep. All right, <laughs> I'm going to try and get through this rant without dying. Um, Good luck. I don't know how many of y'all tuned in on Tuesday night to NXT. Did you? No. Did you, my friend? No? Yeah, I didn't either. Nope. But I... Um, well, shit. Anyways, breaking news, by the way. I'm, I'm trying to find the tweet that I posted earlier in the week. Uh, TNA has signed Alex Hammerstone. Um, that's breaking news. That's pretty interesting. I, I, I would have thought he would have been an AEW guy but or WWE guy, but he's going to TNA. Good for him. Um, I said on Tuesday the following. Where is, where is it at? I listed off a group of people. Here it is. Cody Rhodes, Jade Cargill, CM Punk, Andrade, Sean Spears. I forgot one that I thought about a little bit later, um, Brian Pillman Jr. But anyways, can we start saying that WWE loves to sign ex-AEW talent, or does that only go one way? And let me explain. When AEW was being built, every damn time they signed an ex-WWE guy, whether it be Adam Cole or Keith Lee or Swerve Strickland or Chris Jericho or 
whoever else on their roster that used to work for WWE and they went to AEW, the biggest complaint from the people that just want to hate on AEW was all they do is sign ex-WWE guys. They can't create any homegrown talent. They have to sign guys that were popular in WWE. And I'm looking at the rosters. And WWE, let's look, let's take a look at their championships. Their world champion is Roman Reigns. And many say that, okay, I'll give him that. He started in FCW. I'll give you him. That's WWE territory before NXT. I'll give you Roman Reigns. But let's look at some of the other champions that that WWE has. Seth Rollins. He is not a WWE guy. He was not a WWE homegrown talent. Tyler Black was known in ROH and independent circles for years before he came to WWE. Um, Damian Priest. Finn Balor. They weren't WWE homegrown guys. They were known across the world. New Japan and and other indie promotions in in the foreign areas. Uh, For those who don't know, Damian Priest went by Punishment Martinez before he signed with WWE. Finn Balor Mm -hmm. was one of the biggest founding members of Bullet Club before he left New Japan and went to WWE. You look at people like Logan Paul. He's not a WWE talent. Logan Paul built, only signed with WWE, only had the opportunity to sign with WWE because of the persona that he built over the last decade. The popularity that he himself had to build. WWE didn't make Logan Paul. Logan Paul made Logan Paul. And now he's just working in WWE. So the point is, you know, then you look at AEW and who are their champions. For the longest of time, before Samoa Joe, Maxwell Jacob Friedman was and is the longest reigning AEW champion. And yeah, he had a little bit of a run in MLW. But I would say that AEW made Maxwell Jacob Friedman a bigger name than MLW did. You look at someone like Orange Cassidy. Half the damn people in the world didn't even know who Orange Cassidy was until AEW. AEW has built Orange Cassidy into a, a pretty big name. <clears throat> you look at you look at Ricky Starks, you look at a few other people in this in this narrative here. And then you look at the people that WWE has signed recently. Cody Rhodes built a persona outside of the WWE, comes back to the WWE using that persona. WWE can't create anything different for Cody Rhodes because that's the Cody Rhodes that people want. Jade Cargill literally uses the same exact entrance logos and basically, her persona is the same. CM Punk, his persona has always been the same. Even from WWE, you can't change CM Punk's persona. CM Punk is CM Punk. Andrade comes back at the Royal Rumble wearing the mask that he got over NAEW. That wasn't his persona before he left WWE the first time. That was an AEW thing that he carried over back into WWE. And Sean Spears is 
essentially the same character, the chairman gimmick that was created in WWE. The only character that WWE has changed that they signed from AEW is Brian Pillman Jr. And I think the only reason they did so was so that they didn't have to bring up the past of Brian Pillman. I think that I think that that's what they did. And where is Lexus King? I he had one big feud with um, Carmelo Hayes, I think it was, and I ha, I don't I don't even know if he was on the last pay per view. Where is he? He 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 certainly hasn't gotten over <coughs> and, and with the NXT crowd. And you look at Sean Spears, and look I'll I'll give AEW or I'll give WWE this. I think they might book him a little better. I'll say Tony Khan booked Sean Spears completely wrong. He should have been a bigger piece to the puzzle. I think Sean Spears has the talent. My problem isn't with the wrestlers. He's getting a paycheck again. I don't care where he wrestles. My problem is with the fans because they're so hypocritical. When someone jumps ship from WWE to AEW, it's, oh my goodness, look at AEW. All they do is sign ex-WWE guys. When you're top talent in WWE, 95% of your current champions, Gunther, was well-known before WWE in Germany and all the the European countries. That's another one. You look at Rhea Ripley, made her name before getting to the WWE outside in Australia and the independent scene. And yet, they're not homegrown talent. I'd say there's more homegrown champions in AEW than in WWE. This isn't the question of whether or not you should want to go to the WWE or not. It's the question of can we be consistent with the comparison if if it's wrong or if it's a problem when AEW signs a lot of ex-WWE wrestlers, then let's be equally critical when WWE goes on a massive spending spree of ex-AEW wrestlers. And this is the great part about AEW is now there's an atmosphere where people can go from company to company to company and find the fit that they're in. That's why AEW is needed to create competition, to create an atmosphere where people, where they're, they're feel, if you don't feel you're treated right in one company, then you can go to another company if you think they're going to treat you right. I already know in a couple weeks when when Mercedes Monet debuts in Boston, all the old WWE fans who loved her to death are going to be like, she'll never get over. She'll never do this. She'll never do this just because she's in AEW now. When Okada shows up in a couple weeks in AEW, which, by the way, was pretty much confirmed next Wednesday in Duluth, Georgia, Okada's probably showing up. So, hey, we too deep. Get ready to buy that AEW shirt. (laughs) They're going to say, oh, he won't get over. There's too many talent. They have too many people. Where's he going to fit in? He's going to be in the mid card. But yet, when WWE does the same exact thing and they hoard it talent for years, they get a pass. It's just, it irritates me. Not necessarily because Sean Spears left. I don't think AEW is going to necessarily miss Sean Spears. For the reason of they didn't really use them in the first place. And that's AEW's fault. They should have they should have booked him better. 
I will give you that. Sean Spears is a really good talent. He's going to do probably good things in NXT. But the problem is with the fans. If they're not, if they're, if you're hypercritical on one side, you need to be hypercritical on the other side. And and at the end of the day, I honestly don't really care that he's where he's wrestling in an opponent's company. I, I think he's going to do much better in NXT than he has he was doing getting passed from faction to faction in AEW. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. That's just kind of my rant. Wow. Well then, we'll give you a minute to take a breath and and <laughs> uh, probably cough up a lung or something. I don't know, but uh, you know, I I think I agree with you for the most part. DJ Wavy Diaz has has kind of blown up the comment section with with a couple of different things that he's mentioned, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's um, right. I think that um, probably every wrestler's goal is to go into the WWE at some point, wrestle a match at WrestleMania, um, <clears throat> to, to experience that, to, to see what it's like in the Fed. And I don't think anybody's wrong for that. I think that WWE is the biggest name industry it is the biggest company in, in wrestling history why wouldn't you want to go to a place that has that kind of notoriety and exposure right however i would not fault anybody who didn't want to go there right. if they say you know what aew is the end game for me um impact wrestling triple a new japan who are we to fault for them? Um, if they're content and they're happy, I mean, it's their decision. They, we, you know, we just want what's best for people. Um, but I, I think that the better the AEW does, the better that WWE does. When you get names that float from one company to another, it's a good thing because it creates interest and uniqueness to. Well, I've known that guy in WWE this whole time. What's it going to be like in AEW? Or I've known this girl or this guy in AEW, but now they're in WWE. How how are they going to treat her or him? So it's an interesting dichotomy when it comes to that. That you know, as long as people are bettering themselves or they're happy and they're you know and they're successful, you know, it, it is what it is. But from a fan's perspective, you know, it, the tribalism is very very real more so in the social media aspect than I think than in, in, in real life and in, in person. But yeah, it, it's can be a real cesspool and toxic environment when you get that kind of negativity spewing around. And there's just, I'm too short for that kind of crap, I think. And right. You never get happy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And again, my, my criticism isn't for the wrestlers jumping ship. I, I think my criticism right. is the fact that the fans have a double standard for when it comes to what the WWE can do and what AEW can do. 
WWE can literally, before AEW existed and 2017 and 2018, all WWE did was just hoard talent from the indie scene and never used them. They, they hoarded talent, which is why in 2020, when COVID hit, they let go like 50% of their roster. All of the people that were cut in 2020 were just hoarded talent. And it's like, look, if, if WWE is going to give me a paycheck of six figures, seven figures just to do nothing, I'm going to take it. Like, that's no problem. You know, if they're going to pay me a million dollars just to sit at home and not wrestle anywhere, I'll take it. Like a million dollars is a million dollars. But the the fans, they weren't complaining back then when AEW would sign Bobby Roode for the 800th time and then cut him two weeks later because he's not needed in the storyline or Eric Young or any of these people that they would sign and use for one or two weeks and then have no creative direction for him. But yet AEW did the same thing to build their roster. They had to build a roster of independent talent that Chris Jericho and all of these people, uh, John Moxley and Omega and all of these guys who kind of have had pretty decent careers in WWE or in New Japan or elsewhere, just so that they can have some sort of name recognition on TV. Cause you can't throw as much as I love Adam Hangman page in 2019, no one knew who the fuck Adam Hangman page was. You can't throw him on the poster board when you're starting AEW and act like people are going to give a shit. That's why Chris Jericho was the first champion is the name recognition. Everybody knows that, that, Hey, Oh, Jericho has, he's part of some new wrestling promotion. Let me watch it. Um, And so that's my issue. The, the, The issue isn't necessarily that the wrestlers are going back to the WWE again, they can do they can do so. I'm happy for them. At least they're getting a paycheck doing what they love. But my problem is with the fans, not with the wrestlers. Because the, the, the fans, they're so, uh, especially the, the WWE loyalists who, who hate on AEW for absolutely no reason other than the fact that it's not the WWE. They, they always sit here and they nitpick every tiny thing that Tony Khan does wrong. And yet, we part of this comes back to this past weekend at, at Elimination Chamber. They go to Australia, and they give you a four-hour show, and an hour and a half of it is wrestling, and the rest of it is a tourism guide for why you should come to Australia or a 30-minute Grayson Waller, whatever you wanted to call with that, that had absolutely no purpose. It was just a time filler. Like, I fell asleep watching Elimination Chamber. If you if you live in America and stayed up to watch the Elimination Chamber and that's what you got, I feel sorry for you because you wasted your time. You wasted your time. There was a period of time between one match to the other where it was 50 minutes between a match and almost an entire hour between matches on a pay-per-view. Like, I get it if you're doing that on a SmackDown. But on a pay-per-view... That's these are when your feuds are supposed to to either end or get pushed to the next level, and you, you, you fifty minutes, four four or five matches on the card, and the WWE fans eat it up like it was some great thing. It was probably the worst pay per view I've ever sat through, and I don't understand the hypocrisy. Or if you call something out, they're going to sit here and be like, 
well, you like AEW, so your opinion doesn't matter. That's what irritates me is let's like the tribalism within the fan base. I don't, I don't understand why we have to be so tribal with the fans. If you like WWE, great, but you know, if you don't like AEW, okay, but you don't have to let us know at every every waking moment that you hate AEW. You can just, I mean, kindly just shut up and just watch what you want to watch. Man, somebody <laughs> was yes. ready for that, and it uh, it came out. <laughs> it came out, and uh, yes, sir. If uh, if anybody has any issue or would like to debate this further or uh, create a tribalism argument, um, join the Discord. Um, I know Absolutely. we already did the plug. This is another plug. <laughs> you can go down to the junkyardmedia.com website. The social media links are in there. One of them is the Discord link. You need to click that. If you haven't had a Discord created, it's super simple. Once you do that, click on the Discord link in uh, on our website and join in. Uh, we have friendly debates, conversations about not only pro wrestling, but everything under the sun, from sports to memes to Amen. just about anything. Food. Um, it, it's, it's a cast of characters in there, and uh, we all like to nitpick and poke fun at each other, but we also have fun doing so at the same time, talking about anything and everything. So uh, join the Discord. Um, you'll be happy that you did. Um, absolutely absolutely my friend well now that i ranted we're going to give you some time to 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 talk about sting but first i want to play a video i was tasked last minute to try and come up with a tribute video and i just didn't want to steal somebody else's that i could easily have found on on youtube they're they're out there there's several of them that are already made and they're much better than mine I want it to be unique, though, to this show. So I created a one-minute kind of thank you to Sting that we're going to use to lead into your history of being a Sting fan, I guess you can call, um, and uh, your farewell address to the icon and your favorite wrestler, Sting. We'll play that now. And for all you fans out there who are wondering what the future holds for Sting, well... The only thing for sure about Sting <laughs> is nothing's for sure. It's showtime, folks! The floor is yours, my friend. Wow. Um, yeah, good thing you had a 30-second buffer between the uh, the last um, clip and then that, that video link. It took me a second to compose myself. <laughs> um, no, but, uh, yeah, this um, 
this is going to be a really, really cool moment. Um, Sunday night in Greensboro uh, Coliseum, um, celebrating the career of Sting in his last match ever. Um, I never in my wildest imagination would, would I have thought to myself, man, wherever Sting's final match is, I just hope that I can watch it, but let alone be in person live to witness it. Yeah, that 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 created some goosebumps for sure and probably will throughout the entire day on Sunday. Um, you know, you very rarely get to see your favorites go out on top. And and you really, you know, in sports, whenever your favorite athlete is going to be retiring and they have their retirement tour, generally, generally for the most part, you, you can see them at least once throughout that year. If it's if it's NASCAR. They race 36 weeks out of the year at tracks across America. Just got to go to the, to, you know, find the the tr- closest track to you and you get to watch your favorite driver drive one more race or one more race for you to watch in person. Baseball, same thing. You have 81 chances to go to the home stadium. If, if you live far away and there's a nearby baseball team, you get to watch it one more time. Same thing with the NHL. Same thing with, uh, you know, basketball, soccer, you name it. Um, and this will be the case for sure Sunday night. So going to be going to be a bittersweet night for sure. Um, but I think a very, very, very special night, not only in my fandom, but I think in, in everybody's fandom for sure. So I think it's kind of cool that these two jabronis, you get to sit and chat about wrestling and, and we have a podcast that we do every Thursday night, but I think it's even cooler that uh, you get to talk about your favorite wrestler and um, just get to, to ramble on about your favorite wrestler for, for a few moments. And that's what we'll do here. I'm going to be putting out an article on a Saturday morning um, leading into the weekend. And I really hope um, everybody that's not only in the chat, but, but anybody that may share this video, if you crop it out, you know, crop out this part for sure. Um, going to be a lengthy blog uh, article about kind of uh, the, the history of Sting, but also how my fandom ties into that as well. Just in a lot more thorough, long version versus what I may be talking about here. So, uh, but yeah, um, Sting has been my favorite since I was in diapers. Um, if you go to the website and you look at all of the uh, meet the team members, um, I think one of the uh, lines in my bio is um, uh, I've been a fan for as long as I can remember. And that is the absolute truth. I mean, I grew up, up uh, in the middle of the night wars. I was born in December of 95. So nuts from being on, uh, from uh, starting on television. And as long as I can remember, I've always been a fan of pro wrestling. It's only strengthened and deepened. The older that I've grown, and the one constant was that Sting was my all-time favorite wrestler. And of course, I grew up during the Crow era, Crow era of Sting. I didn't grow up with the surfer, blonde-haired Sting. I didn't grow up in the NWA. Um, I grew up with WCW, the Monday Night Wars, Sting fighting the NWO, and then transitioning to the Wolfpack Sting, and and uh, watched the final Nitro and and saw him face uh, Ric Flair in the final match. Um, and then Flair just, you know, became a fan of WWE and became a fan of Triple H, which oddly enough is going to play itself here in a little bit when I get to that part. Um, but I thought, you know, hey, you know, I got to see Sting Russell on TV. It is what it is, but now I'm a fan of Triple H and um, Eddie Guerrero and all those guys. And then one random 
night in 2005 in December. I just happened to scroll on the television screen and saw that there was a program called TNA Impact. And I'm like, what the hell, what is this? And instantly got hooked from the six-sided ring. And uh, I think Turning Point 2005 happened a week or two prior. And it was uh, Sting uh, making his full-time return to wrestling. And perfect timing. Um so I, I picked up and, and became a fan of TNA more so because my favorite wrestler was in there. And I watched all the way through until Sting had his last match in TNA in 2014, um, wrestling EC3 and Magnus in his last two matches. Uh, and then we get to the rumored speculation that he's going to WWE and he finally does make that jump in 2014. You know, debuted at Survivor Series um, and what we hoped was going to be a great run in WWE did, did not end up that way. Um, and then whatever happened, happened. He was out of wrestling for another four years. And then our, our, our end right here, the junkyard man was with me when, when Stinger, um, you and AEW at winter is coming 2020. That was a cool, uh, cool experience to be able to watch that. And, 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 uh, see him hopefully make his last full-time run um, and go out the way he wants to go out. And I'm glad that he did. And I feel like AW has treated him so, so great and so well, truly treated him like how a legend should be treated. Um, and he was able to kind of go on his own terms. And I think that Sting single-handedly is, is written as wanted to do most of the things that he's done in wrestling in AEW, um, just to say he did it and, and to have that one last ride. Um, you know, it's funny, my um, my mother, who passed away almost two years ago, never understood why I liked wrestling. She didn't hate it, but she was like, I don't get it. Why do you like this? It's, it's two half-naked, three-quarter naked people fighting and beating up on each other. Uh, I don't see the entertainment in this. I'm like, well, Mom, why do you watch CSI or why do you watch... NCIS, why do you watch Mama's Family? Why do you, why do you watch this stuff? Because it's entertaining. You enjoy it. And that's just, that was my, you know, sports were my out, but so was wrestling. Wrestling was always the constant. Um, but there was always one guy that she, when kind of went through the, the why I like this guy or why I like this guy. When we got to, you know, when I mentioned about Sting, it was one of those, you know what, that's actually a nice, that's a nice guy. Um, for me, the fandom of being a Sting fan goes beyond just because he had face pain and he beat his chest and yelled into the crowd and had a cool couple moves and he came down from the rafters, came up through the ring, ripped out of a helicopter. I still can't believe he did that, but hey, uh, it worked. Uh, thank God for that. Um, but that that was my initial fandom from when I was a kid, but it really developed in the middle of the 2000s where I really started to do more of the research and, and, and was on a bunch of sites, um, dirt sheets and whatnot, and, and really did a bunch of uh, in-depth analysis on seeing the man, Steve Borden, and his whole story is just fascinating. The fact that he was not a wrestling fan at all, and basically stumbled across this uh, this thing called wrestling by a guy who had two dudes in, in this thing called Power Team USA and was looking to get into the wrestling industry and would work out at a gym that Sting co-owned 
in Southern California and these guys would put posters up in, in the gym and they just couldn't find their their two or three guys they needed to to make a run in the business and finally went up to Sting was like, What about you? And he was like, Yeah, no, uh, no, no, thank you. And they were like, Well, uh, let's to to watch uh wrestling at the sports arena in LA and and he's told the story and you can watch uh, the the interview um all the interviews but yeah that was the night that he got hooked into wrestling when he watched andre the giant and adrian adonis and the british bulldogs and hulk hogan and was like you know this might be this might be something so you know fast forward 39 years later the man's going out as a potential world tag team champion but he's going into his final match as a champion and has a chance to uh um uh, be a winner in his final match. Pretty cool. Go out on top. Um, but for me, what, what really became my fandom that grew so much deeper was the personal aspect of, um, and I know you maybe you're not really supposed to talk about this, but I mean, hey, it's our show. When Sting kind of professed his religion and became a born-again Christian and, and really, really stood for great morals and beliefs and values and wasn't a guy that cussed a lot on TV. He didn't need to. Sure, he's not, he was not the greatest promo guy in the world. However, his promo two weeks ago on Dynamite was was probably the best he ever did. Um, but all the struggles and, and the addictions he had, and he turned to uh, turned to religion to kind of help him save himself and save it, his his marriage at the time, and he became a, a much more well rounded guy and and one that you know what. Um, these things that we have money, power, fame, fortune. He was the most miserable dude in the world. And it's like, well, how does that happen? And it's because yeah, he did it things his way and his way wasn't working. It wasn't everything was. He was pill popper and alcohol addiction. Um, you know, all that changed in uh, the summer of ninety eight, I believe he says and Turned his life to Christ and and, and has become a, a, a Christian and still is to this day. And, and you know, Shawn Michaels was the same way. And uh, those guys I really admire and respect. And those are the kind of role models that, you know, you would hope to be. Not 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 you have to be a Christian to be a role model. But, you know, the the, the fact that they overcame a bunch of their problems and, and, and found a way to overcome that and, and better themselves. I think that's a great way to be a role model. Um, so yeah, my, my fandom with Sting goes much deeper than just uh, cool moves, cool face paint. Um, he, he was one of the guys that I, I about and, and watch interviews on, on on how to be a Christian and what what it took for him to do that. And not saying that Sting made me a Christian by any means. You know that that kind of is your own way of, of learning and, and deciding if you want to be that, but he helped in the aspect of this guy who's got all the money in the world and is famous and did all this. And yet he was still miserable, but has this commonality that we both share with our religion that helped us um, put our best foot forward and, and, and has, has led us to become, you know, tomorrow than we were today. So uh, yeah. That's why Sting has been my favorite wrestler for, for this 24, 25 years that I've been alive. Um, that's why it's extra special for me to, to, to be
be there for his final match in person that I didn't get to see my favorite baseball player in his last year. Um, I didn't get to, uh, I don't think I went to a NASCAR race when Jeff Gordon retired. That was my favorite NASCAR driver. We still have a chance to go see Alex Ovechkin play. Hopefully we will over his last, uh, we already have, but uh, during his retirement run, whenever that may be in a couple of years, we'll, we'll have to definitely re- go to a game or two. Um, hopefully the game that he breaks Gretzky's goal record, well, that is yet to be determined. No, um, <laughs> right. But uh, um, yeah, th- those are just really special moments that you don't, you don't really get to see. You did very often is that my favorite, whatever favorite, uh, favorite musician played their final concert, this and so Revolution is going to be a really, really awesome night, really special night for me as a fan of Sting, but also one that we can celebrate his and uh, we're hoping for the W. I will say that. Um, but, you know, if he loses, it's still going to be a, a celebratory moment to to rejoice the career. Now, to get off of that soapbox and to get on the <laughs> tangent that I was going to go on is how – over the past few weeks, people have kind of bickered about his his retirement and how it's going about, saying that it shouldn't be an AEW. Uh, it should have just stopped after his WWE run. Um, Triple H would have booked him so much better. I've heard even that. I've heard um, maybe he's going to retire in AEW, but he's going to fully retire in WWE. I'll tell you what. I think that that would be the worst mistake in Singh's career if he did that. And I'll tell you why. And, and, and I don't even want to say that it's all Triple H's fault. But I'll tell you this much. When Sting came to WWE in 2014, the reason why he didn't want to go to WWE in the first place, and we're talking even mid-90s, when he had the chance to go after his contract expired in 2002, because once WWE bought a WCW, McMahon had an option to either take all the contracts or take some that he could afford and let the rest run out because he couldn't pay those top dollar amounts for the main guys. That's why people like Goldberg and Kevin Ash and Hulk Hogan didn't immediately come over because their contract was just way too much and Vince wasn't going to pay. So they said, you know what? AOL Time Warner is going to pay these guys to just sit at home and do nothing for a year. Let's let that ride out. And then when that happens, then we'll have conversations. And Sting said he's had a few conversations with Vince before 2014, and they all went really well, but he just didn't feel something was right. He didn't feel he would be used tre- uh, uh, he wouldn't be used fairly or that he wouldn't be used correctly. And And he was right. I mean – his debut in 2014 at Survivor Series was awesome. It really was. It was really cool. Really cool moment. But then we go from December 2014 to March or April 2015. And it's okay. We're not going to get the Taker Sting match, but we're going to get Triple H and Sting. Makes sense. The story was there, whatever. I thought the build was whatever. It wasn't the best thing in the world. Um, whether that was the dates that Sting was under contract for, or I don't know, but I just I was excited to see my favorite wrestler perform at WrestleMania. That was cool, but I was just like, man, there's just something about this feud. And then, of course, 
we get to the match. We get to WrestleMania in 2015. So you have Sting versus Triple H. And if you remember, what basically was this feud about? And it's been a minute. Um, Wasn't it essentially you weren't good enough to be in the WWE? That's why you didn't come in? Or was it something around that line? So, like, you're an old WCW guy. This Things have changed. Yeah. Pretty much. It was WCW versus WWE. It was the two two top guys from the Monday Night Wars fighting off. And in a battle of, was WCW's top guy good or better than the WWE's, one of WWE's top guys? And that pretty much was it. So, Whatever. And it was what it was. We get to the point in the match where D-Generation X comes out to help Triple H. Well, that makes sense. Triple H was in DX. He co-founded DX. That makes sense. But NWO came and out then we get, point, right? And then we get the fucking NWO to come out. The NWO. To help Sting. Now, I don't know if Vince McMahon even paid attention to WCW or if anybody even paid attention to WCW on the WWE side. <laughs> That's kind of fucking stupid. Why in the hell would the NWO help Sting? That was their main antagonist. That was uh, their main rock. It was Wolfpack, right? Well, he was in the Wolfpack, but in 98, the NWO had split between Black and White and the Wolfpack. They were feuding against each other. Right, right. And then WCW was kind of sprinkled in there in between. But in a way, the Wolfpack was the face mm-hmm. group, and NW Hollywood or Black and White was the villainous well, group. Sting, Sting wasn't part of that feud for much that long anyway. He was that was just a quick part of his career, right? Yeah, four months really. I mean, I think he joined the Wolfpack in June of '98, and then he took a hiatus in October of '98. So from June to October, that's what a four or five month span that he was in the Wolfpack, and then. He went away for four months and then came back as crowsting again. So, I mean, literally short-lived. You had the NWO help Sting. And this is no longer a WCW versus WWE thing, because if you think about it, the NWO was this whole entity. It was NWO versus WCW. So it should have been NWO versus Sting versus the... I mean, just made no sense. Made no sense. And, of course, the ha-ha, we're going to beat you, we're going to bury you because WCW died and WWE wins. We're superior. We're going to win. Ha ha. There's no reason for that. Sting should have won. And that's not me being a biased fan. I mean, there's really no reason for that to have this guy come in, probably the right. biggest star in WCW, especially a homegrown WCW guy, well known around the world that you couldn't get signed. And then you finally got signed. You should have went over. And I'm fine with him losing to Rollins for the world title at Clash of Champions. That's not my problem. It's the fact that this was his first WrestleMania match. Triple H has had plenty before. He's won at most of them. Really? You can't give the guy with a rub one time to say that he was one for one at WrestleMania? Um, Not only that, it was during the... Go ahead. I was going to ask, why did they never pull the strings on a Sting-Undertaker feud? Because in the mid-2010s, Undertaker was still capable of wrestling. Some sort of a match. Why wouldn't so, they do that? That was the dream match everybody wanted. 
Of course, yeah. And and Sting, for the most part, says that you need to go ask Taker because there was plenty of times where Sting would be like, I want this match. This needs to happen. And yes, you can fault Sting in a way for, for re-signing with TNA for, for all those years. I totally can understand that. But at the same time, when you finally have those two guys in the same company under the same umbrella and Taker was still the wrestling, shouldn't you know both of them be like, hey, listen, now, yes, we know, you know, you can't foresee what happened in September of 2015 when Sting broke his neck. But in 2016 at Dallas, was it going to be Sting versus Taker? We don't know. Right. But I would have felt like that at, at that point, it would have been, all right, listen, maybe we should get that match as soon as possible while both these guys could still perform at a decent to high level. And they just never pulled it off. Um, but yeah, that, that match between Triple H and Sting was in the sun. So the entrances kind of sucked because it was sun. And I mean, I get it's a, it's a West Coast show. It's probably it's not going to be the main event, but it was just weird. But they had a pretty brutal match, and then twenty 31? minutes later, yes, yeah, thirty-one. Twenty minutes after their match, Triple H comes out in a suit and tie with Stephanie McMahon, as if nothing, nothing happened, just happened. Right? And did that whole segment with The Rock and Ronda Rousey. I mean, literally, no sold the entire thing. And it's like, great, now we just buried Sting twice in one night. Congratulations, guys. Now we see why Sting didn't want to come over to the WWE. Because you guys don't know how to use him. Um, And then, yeah, we get the feud with Rollins for a month for the world title, which was cool to say that Sting wrestled for the world title. And he said that he was fine if his career ended right there. I don't blame Seth for the injury. Sting doesn't blame Seth for the injury. It was a freak accident. But, man, it's just like, Sting held out for so long for not going to WWE because of how he feared he was going to be used and then take away the injury aspect of it. And it's like, man, he was right. Like they didn't know how to use him. They didn't know how to use him. Um, so I'm glad that he's having this run in AEW to do things his way to go out on his own terms. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do that here this Sunday at revolution. It's going to be a banger right. of a show. I cannot well, wait for it. That, that's um, my yeah. biggest complaint. Again, with the fans, it's kind of the same aspect. The fans are like shitting on the match. And yeah, granted, Sting and Darby fighting for the, with the tag titles against the Young Bucks probably isn't what you think of for Sting's career-ending match. But the man's, what, 65 years old? Mm-hmm. He, can't, he can't go 20 minutes by himself. Tony Khan has allowed him to book this entire segment of his career and do what he wants to do. And I think he's doing the same thing with Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, sorry, different companies, uh, Brian Daniel Danielson <laughs> with the fact that Danielson isn't going to be in any championship feuds or any of that for his final year. Like this year, Sting's retirement match next year, Danielson's going to retire at some point. He's just having dream match after dream match after dream match after dream match. And Tony Khan's okay with that, allowing that to be a minute story in the long run. And granted, Sting himself didn't want the tag belts. He said that himself. He didn't want the tag belts. But to to fit some sort of storyline, I think it makes a lot of sense that he enters his final match with some sort of stakes involved. And it would be a really big swerve if he does win the, the, the match on Sunday. And maybe they open up, the, he shows up 
the next Wednesday and create some sort of tag tournament or something. I don't know. Um, we'll see how that plays out and we'll talk about that later, but I just hate how the fans have to shit on this. Like it's some indie show that he's retiring at. And it's not like, like a stadium full of 16,000 fans going to be watched by millions around the world. Like it's just some, some glorified indie show that he's going to retire. And like, kiss my ass. Like this is going to be a really good show. And if you don't see that, then that's your fault. Correct. And last time I checked, no indie promotion was doing 80,000 people in a stadium, let alone 20, let alone 15, let alone 10. With 100K buys every pay-per-view. With 100K buys every pay-per-view, correct. Ric Flair's last match had 29,000 buys. TNA's biggest pay-per-view ever, 20,000 buys. AEW's first pay-per-view, second, third, 30th, over 100,000. No comparison. If it was TNA, then yes, I would call call it a glorified indie show. This is right. not that. <clears throat> Absolutely, you 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 got all you wanted to say out, and I know you said earlier that he will be posting a long form version of basically that context on the Junkyard mm-hmm. Media Group blog here this Saturday. So be sure to tune into that here in the next couple of days. As we lead towards revolution, which let's predict this map, this this card. I think we got nine matches confirmed. I already know that tomorrow and Saturday he's going to add like three more matches. <laughs> That's this is the worst part about having a podcast on the Thursday night because by Sunday morning there's going to be two or three mm-hmm. matches announced. He might add a, like, he might it. add a match like right before the show starts. Like Tony Khan's just kind of like all over the place when it comes sometimes to booking, which is where we'll start Revolution because I have no idea why this change was made. The rumor is, I guess, the Meat Madness match was supposed to have Lance Archer, Wardlow, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Miro, and Keith Lee. And Keith Lee is still injured, apparently. And so is, and I think Miro's either injured or staying with CJ, because of her injury to her finger, I don't even know if she's completely healed from that, the infection that she had. Um, And so they give us an all-star scrambled match with the winner receiving a future AEW World Championship match. Let's predict this match. Here we got Chris Jericho versus Wardlow versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Lance Archer versus Hook versus Brian Cage, and then the what I'm showing shows the spoilers, so I don't want to share the spoilers because I don't want to spoil Rampage or Collision because there's a couple matches on Rampage and Collision that determine the final two contestants for this match, but there's two additional opponents. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the spoilers for everybody. Um, I don't – hot take, the spoiler – the winners of this match – will not win the match, I promise you, because this is Wardlow's match. They they change it to you get an AEW World Championship match. Wardlow is hot. Um, he's going to win this match, and he's going to get his AEW World title opportunity because he made that promo a couple weeks ago where he's saying that he beat Samoa Joe and he beat MJF and he pinned CM Punk. So why is he not in the title line? Well, now he cuts the line and gets his AEW World title opportunity. 
against the winner of the main event between Hangman Page, Swerve Strickland, and Samoa Joe. What are your thoughts on this eight-man scramble match? You know, I think Wardlow is the favorite. Um, I think that Powerhouse Hobbs is a close second. Um, I wonder when, when's the last time Lance Archer had a match on pay-per-view. It's been a while, so mm-hmm. that's cool to see him match. Um, you know, I would say the hook would be a sleeper pick here just because of how his match was with Joe uh, in the middle or the beginning of 2024. Um, it's sad that that match took place in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, AW will never never go there again. Sorry, guys. WWE has a a house show there in a couple weeks. Probably get more fans. I'll sell them. Yeah, I'll (laughs) sell them. But AW don't ever go back to Charleston or Savannah, Georgia for a while. Um, You know, I I think um, I think I'm gonna have to agree with you. I think Wardlow's. I think this is his match. I wouldn't be surprised if Hobbs wins it, but I think that's as far as it'll go. I think Hook might be a sleeper pick, but yeah, I think it's I think it's <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We'll go next to the grudge match. I think it's just a normal tag team match, to be honest, between John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli against FTR in a feud that essentially um was it Blackpool Combat Club basically said we can beat any tag team in the locker room. If you want to step up, step up, and FTR shows up. There's really not a whole lot of story behind it. And this is one of these feuds where you don't have to have a whole lot of story behind it, and it's still going to be a good match. Um, I think this could open the show, to be honest. Um, And it would be a really good opener. I know we had conversations off the record about Maybe Sting should open the match, and, and we'll talk about that closer down. Should Sting close the show, or where should his 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 uh, his match be on the card? We'll talk about that later, but this could be a really good opener. Um, I have FTR winning this match simply because they're in North Carolina, and Tony Khan has been very good at letting the hometown guys or the home area guys kind of get over when necessary. I don't think it necessarily demoralizes Moxley or Castagnoli if they lose to FTR. And um, yeah, I got give me FTR to win in North Carolina. See, I think that for the most part, I would agree with you. Um, but we have seen not every time they're in a hometown does a hometown win. Whereas WWE, it's usually never. So when they do happen, it's, it's a shock. Um, I don't know. It's a tight. See, FT- we we made this note off the record as well. This pay per view was like unlike last week, where it was so easy to predict elimination chamber. I, will, I think I, we I have I a one elimination chamber. Did we get them all right? Um, let's see, Rhea won. Rhea um, won. Uh, Drew McIntyre won. Tag team retained. Um, yeah, tag team team. Did Becky win? Becky won and Drew won. Yeah, we were four for four. I mean, that's wild. Was, was it was so match? easy to predict. It was. I forgot what the fifth match was. Kabuki Warriors. That that wasn't made it official until SmackDown the night after. So we never predicted that match, but everybody knew that they were retaining the fucking titles against. <laughs> that's why they watch the show. It's predictable. 
Um, but like this card is so hard to pick pick because it could go either way in this match at least. Yeah, and that's what's fun about it is you really don't you really don't know. Um, I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna go with the Blackpool Combat Club, and the reason being it's because I think FTR, even though it would be nice <laughs> to see them win, um, they did win the feud with the House of Black. So I think that yeah. naturally going into this, that maybe we just we we have them losing here a little bit. I would have loved to see if they implemented an old Jim Crocker Promotions NWA type style match to this, whether it's a bunkhouse brawl, whether it's a dog collar match. Um, that would have been awesome. Dog to see. Matches in AEW. They already did though. Yeah, yeah. The last two times they did a dog collar match, one of the people in the match died a couple of months later. So no more dog collar matches. We had MJF and CM Punk. Yeah, well, Punk has been injured ever since. So, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> but it would have been cool to see that, or or yeah. some type of match like that, like I said, Bunkhouse Brawl, Four Corner, something like that. But I'm not against it. I, I just it would have been nice to see that. Uh, it would have been it would have enhanced the match a little bit more if we had a cage ladder, something just just extra. Yeah. But um. Yeah, for some reason, I just I got I got I got the BCC winning this. BCC. <clears throat> Could we see a return of Wheeler Yuta? We haven't seen him in a couple weeks, so maybe maybe you're right, and we get a returning Wheeler Yuta. So FTRs had Daddy Magic and Daniel Garcia. However, Daniel Garcia is in a match later on, so I don't think he would right. come out. There's not been anybody else. That's really helped them, unless somebody makes Could, a return now, and helps them. Now I'm just I'm just speculating. I know Danielson has a match, and we'll talk about. Well, that's probably be the next match we talk about. But could Danielson come out and then Okada show up? Because I know him and Danielson have had some sort of feud. I don't know. Maybe could be. That'd be cool. I, I know. That'd I know cool. Okada. Supposed to make his debut. They so Sean Rossat put an article out about Okada, and they, he said essentially if they don't come out before March sixth, um, in in Duluth, Georgia, that it'll be March sixth. So I could see him showing up at the pay per view, but I also could see him getting his debut. At Dynamite the week after, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But regardless, you got BCC winning, right? Yep, I'm gonna go with them. All right, yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Um, Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson for the Triple Crown Championship, which apparently is, I'm sorry, the Continental Crown Championship, which is all three titles: the AEW Continental Championship. ROH World Championship and NJPW Strong Open Weight Championship, all three on the line against Brian Danielson. And it's so hard for me to pick a winner in this match because I could see Kingston retaining, but at the same time, this is Danielson's final like push. I could see him running a couple months as all of these champions, but I'm still. I think, I think we're going to get a Kingston retain here. 
Um, I don't know. My gut feeling says Eddie retains. Yeah, especially after Danielson made him pass out this past Wednesday on Dynamite. Um, Danielson's got the upper hand going into this match, but that was a non-title type of situation. Kind of surprising that they did that finish on Dynamite. Um, I'm not going to say that that kind of gives it away, but I think it would give it away, especially if Kingston wins that, okay, well, you just had the heel go over on the go-home show. Now the face is going to have to go over, right? But um, you never know with AEW. Sometimes it it doesn't work like that, but I I think it does in this case. I think we do see uh, Eddie Kingston retaining over Brian Danielson. And there's an added stipulation to this match. If Danielson were to lose, he has to shake Eddie Kingston's hand. I could see this also going in the way of either – because there, there, there's not a super long time limit, right? It's 20-minute or is it a 60-minute time limit? I think it's 20. I could be wrong. So I could see or this going 20-minute draw. I could see this going 20-minute draw, and maybe they push it out a little bit further leading. Because I think there's a New Japan show in Chicago. Yeah, Windy City, Windy City Windy Riot. City. I think it's in April. Um, so wrong. I could no, see them April. dragging this out a little bit as well. Um, but we'll see. Um, it'll be a fun match regardless. We will jump Bring in. Bring a hard hat. It's going to be a hard-hitting uh, oh. hard hitting match for yeah, sure. Someone's going to bleed or break a limb or something. Um, or both. Or both. We'll talk next about the debut, um, the official debut of Will Ospreay in AEW when he fights Kanosuke Takeshka and what I'm dubbing the Don Callis family reunion. I don't get this match. Like, I, I I don't get it. I don't think anybody really gains a whole lot of anything um, in this match. I do think Osprey wins. But, like, what does it do to benefit Osprey that he beats Takechka? Because Takechka doesn't have a whole lot of like – it's not like he's won every championship in AEW. It's not like he's No, but he does a, have – he does have some pretty prolific wins against Kenny Omega, Jericho. Um, but so does Osprey. And I and I get that. I do. I just think that they're equal in the Callis family. They're equals, and Takashi has been on a meteoric rise over the last year and a half. And I think that if this was happening a year ago, this doesn't make any sense. Right. To me, this does make a little bit more sense because you have the two top dogs in the Callis family going after each other. Um, well, a match that was Callis pitting versus the family going against each other. I can see it's where either Osprey wins and Takesha gets pissed and he leaves the Callis family, or Osprey wins, Takesha beats him up, and um, it creates division in the Callis family and maybe eventually leads to the Callis family turning on Osprey. Um, it it would not surprise me because I think it was one in every match he has been in AEW that the family turns on him and screws him and Takeshita wins. I'm going to go with Osprey winning, but I could see the other happening where the Callis family turns on Osprey and says, hey, listen, kid, Takeshita is our alpha. He's our right. guy. Um, well, but we'll see. I will say that 
Fletcher and Osprey are part of the Kyler family. I don't know if Mark Davis is back from injury. Where do ha- they have to rebuild United Empire at some point? Um, is this how they get the turn where Fletcher ter- helps Osprey if Takeshka turns on Osprey and Osprey and Fletcher leave the Callis family? I don't know. I, I could see that. I don't. I don't understand. I guess right now in, in the short term. Because this match was just made a few weeks ago, so it's not like there's a whole lot of build behind it. I could see this going several several weeks after the pay-per-view until we finally get some clarity on where the story's leading. I'm going to go Osprey as well, but I really would like Takeshka to get the win here because he's, like you said, he's really been super hot um, here lately, and I don't know. I just feel like a loss can hurt both people, So, but I'm going to give Osprey. I, I do think it would be more of a shocker if if the Kestrel wins, mm-hmm. but if the circumstances happen to where the Callis family turns on Osprey, it would make sense. Um, but yeah, I think I, to be honest with you, I think we match of the night. Um, oh yeah, it's going to be a really good match. It's it's going to be Osprey yeah. puts on a show any match that he shows up. Uh, that's paper. The Kestrel has only gotten better in the mm-hmm. ring. Every Absolutely. time he goes out, he he. If if done he, right, man, he could be the next big star for AEW. Right, he could be the biggest heel in the company, not named Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And should Maxwell leave, now you have your replacement right there in Takeshka. Yeah, or one of them for sure. Right. All right, we'll go to the TNT Championship match between Christian Cage. And Daniel Garcia, and I know we're all fucking pissed off we don't get Adam Copeland in this match in some way, shape, or form. But I like Daniel Garcia to win this match. Um, As much as Christian Cage has had a very good year in the last year and a half, two years, with this prodigy or patriarchy run, I think it's time for him to drop the belt. And I I just don't know how else you could drop the belt to somebody that really deserves the title. And I feel like that's Daniel Garcia. His entire story has been ever since the Continental Classic that he's just, you know, he came into the Continental Classic not being able to win a match, not being able to win the big matches. And maybe they continue that story to where he can't win the big one. He can't win a championship or he can't win whatever. But I just feel like this is the time that he he can finally win the big match. Um, maybe we have some sort of break apart between Killswitch and Christian Cage at some por- portion of this match. Um, I just like Dan. Uh, my, I'm going with gut feeling here, and uh, part of it's because he's a Buffalo boy. But um, give me Daniel Garcia to win the big one. I would like to see Daniel Garcia. I think it'd be a great reaction. I think the crowd eat it up, and he does. He does. He has earned the the the, the chance of being a TNT or a singles champion. My gut just says Christian. My gut <laughs> says Christian. 
I would like I want I want to see Daniel Garcia win. I will say that. I just think that Christian retains and I and I think here's the conundrum that I see with it. Yes, I could see Kill Switch turning on him. I could see that. I don't think Mama Wayne or gonna do that. My thing my thought process is I feel like we still have a trilogy left with, with Christian and Copeland. And I'm not saying that Copeland deserves a TNT title over Daniel Garcia. I'm not saying that at all. I love Adam Copeland. I love Daniel Garcia. There was a dual TNT champion. They should win it. I just feel like we have unfinished business with the Christian Copeland storyline. And maybe we don't need the prop. Maybe the title belt. But I just feel like maybe a double nothing or something like that, that we're going to get that ladder match or that steel cage match. We're just going to get this, this trilogy ending in some capacity with a gimmick match in it for the belt. And I think that Garcia is going to shine and look even better than he did before. And he already looks great from, from a, a storyline and talent perspective. On the other hand, I could see where kill switch tries to interfere. Nick Wayne tries to interfere and then Copeland interferes on behalf and she does and negates the attacks and Garcia just beats up, beats Christian straight up. That would be awesome. I uh, just, some telling me Christian, so I'm going Christian. Fair enough, fair enough. Like I said, these matches are very hard to predict. And it could go either way, honestly, with almost 90, 95% of these matches. Um, we'll go next to the AEW Women's World Championship match. And in our little group circle that we have, the, the biggest um, thing that we have have said is where are the women's matches? And there haven't been a whole lot of women's feuds being built here recently. Um, but we got Tony Storm, Timeless Tony Storm, fighting Deanna Perrazzo for the AEW World Women's World Championship match. Um, man, this is another one where it's like, I want to see Deanna win because I've been a fan of Deanna for for quite some time, probably since she's been with TNA. Um, WWE did super bad and uh, super bad injustice to Deanna Perrazzo and how they booked her in NXT. But ever since she's been in ROH and TNA and um, her, her uh, just build up to being one of the top women, super or women's wrestlers in the industry, I would love to see Deanna get the win here. But Tony storm is just so over my dude. Like I can't see her dropping the belt to Deanna Perrazzo. I, st- I still see a Mariah May, feud in the future um, at some point in time. So I'm going to say Tony Storm will win this match, but it's going to be a good match. And it's not going to be match of the night by any means, but it's still going to be a very solid match. And uh, there's going to be some shenanigans going on. And um, <sighs> Tony Storm's going to say something that makes absolutely no sense um, until you look it up. Yeah. No. online and figure out that she's referring to some sort of um, indecent exposure or something like that. And um, But Tony Storm will get the win. Yeah, I think that maybe in the first few weeks of this feud that maybe I think Deanna would have the upper hand and probably would win the match. At this moment in juncture, I, I don't see that happening. Um I'm typically not a fan of these debuts and they immediately get a title shot. 
but there really hasn't been much of a storyline going on with women besides that and, and maybe the, the TBS title. There really hasn't been much else. Um, and they have a they have a really good story that they built over the last two months of um, them being best friends and, and knowing each other for a long time, the matching tattoo stuff, and then the little twist with Tony getting like the little knife through the duck thing is 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 low-key fantastic. I think that's a very unique way to enhance the storyline with the wildness and the wackiness that this timeless character has done that just makes perfect sense. That's hard to do something like that. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually really enjoyed this feud. I think t- Timeless Tony Storm has just gotten more over and gotten better as a character. I think this is going to be a very, very, very good match. Um, but I do see Tony Storm retaining and coming out on top. Absolutely, absolutely, my friend. We got three more matches that we need to talk about. Let's go ahead and talk about Quick the AEW side, International. That. Oh, yes, sir. Before we get to that, obviously Mercedes isn't showing up here. Right. Do we mm-hmm. get either a Brit or a Jamie Hayter return? See, I've been thinking about this. Um, and Britt Baker's been, it looks like she's been getting back into ring shape here recently. Um, so I think her debut, her reoccurring, I, I just have a feeling they're saving that for Boston. Um, yep, and we could see Hater coming back here. She's a face. She ended as a face. She is massively over with the crowd. And if Tony wins, that's a heel. There's your perfect right. natural heel versus face. Um, I just feel like they would save. Are they going to run it at double or nothing, or would they save Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter for Wembley? Probably. Or would Mercedes Monet be at Wembley? They're all going to be at Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll right. usually get three or four women's matches at Wembley. I. The hardest part about that is that is six months away from right now. Five and a half right. months, probably. Well, and, of course, AEW is going to have more than just one pay-per-view between now and then. They're going to have probably five or six. So, I mean, <laughs> no I, I don't know. If, I'm so, the, if I have the pencil, I'm saving it for Wembley. But I don't think that's going to happen. Long term, right? So I'm just thinking about it. There's so many British wrestlers that I'm just like because Mariah May's from England, so I could see them doing Tony well, versus Mariah May. She's from England. She's from Australia. Mariah, I'm pretty sure she's, she's from, from Australia. Pretty sure she's from. Hold on, them. We're going to live fact right, check listen, this out. Listen, Google is our friend tonight. I thought she was from Australia. Mariah May. For some reason. I've been following her for quite some time. I'm sure, yeah. For some reason, I, uh, because her and London. Tony were good friends. Oh, she's from London. See, I got, I got, I guess I got it mixed up because her and Tony have been obviously this thing. But whenever she had a couple interviews, she kept saying that Harley Cameron has been helping her out a lot because of the whole foreign thing. And obviously, Harley's from Australia, so I guess I just intertwined those two. That makes sense, though. Um, yeah, so. Maybe they do Jamie versus Brett at double or nothing. 
or not Britt, um, Tony and Jamie at Double or Nothing. And then down the line we built, I don't know, maybe there's like a five-woman match, all British wrestlers, all, all Australian and British. I don't know whether – as long as Soraya doesn't win the title again, let's just say that. I, um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. We got that pop last year. Um, I, I kind of hope it's not one of those five-way matches – Build up a story and let's run with it at Wembley as a as a singles women's well, championship. Let's match. pop another let's women's that. championship in the in the middle of this card. Yeah, we need another women's. Belt. Oh, oh, oh! I th- I thought you were gonna say pop another women's title in the scene, and I'm like, no, no, we don't need another women's title. We have two. We don't need any more. We need a third. We need a tag belt or something. No, we don't. No, we don't. Yes, we. Yes, sir. Oh, we're gonna we have see to how well that's been. No, no. We've seen how well that's doing in WWE. Let's stay away. But from we it. have the talent, and, and Tony Tony Khan is, and we have Jen Pepperman now, who knows how to write women's stories. Listen, I'm so disagree. I'm just saying we would. We, Tony Khan would not make that women's tag belt look like the gimmick that WWE makes it look to be. Uh, Plus, I want to see Anna Jay and Ty uh, Mello win the belts. That would. But again, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I, the, <laughs> the the women's tag belts in WWE has given me scar tissue for not wanting to see it in AEW. <laughs> I guess that's my, I, that's my I, I, I can get my your hesitancy there. I can get your hesitancy there. So I, I don't know if you made your pick. Are you going Tony? Yeah, I'm going Tony. All righty, let's go to AEW International Championship match between Orange Cassidy defending against Roderick Strong. And before we make our my our picks here, the Undisputed Elite or Undisputed, what are they called? Undisputed, Undisputed Kingdom. Kingdom. I've been let down by how they've been presented here after. that. that the first caveat should have been there where we didn't know what the hell the team name was. Mm-hmm. That should be the first clue that this has not been it's exactly going like, according to plan. It's just like, I've been really let down. Like, Adam Coles reveals himself as the devil, and I'm like, oh, cool, this is going to be the next big thing. And it's just like an afterthought, If I feel like. that It's not really a gimmick. And, like, is, is Adam Cole able to wrestle again, or is he still hobbling? Or like, we haven't seen him in a couple weeks. And... I don't know what this means, and the feud in and of it, the the team in and of itself, absolutely doesn't seem like much of a team. Wardlow's out here making singles, um, singles promos, just for no reason. I, I, it feels like a bit of a mess. Um, with that being yeah. said, Orange Cassidy is beat the fuck up. Um, That's another statement. But he's still going to retain somehow because really, okay. I think so. I think Orange Cassidy retains his belt, um, and Roderick loses just because, like, if they had presented the Undisputed Kingdom as something bigger, like the biggest um, stable in the entire organization, like I could see them winning, uh, Roderick winning here, and Wardlow getting his number one contendership match, and and maybe winning it in the future, and then they can can hold all the gold. I just don't see it. I just don't see the appeal. I love Roderick Strong. He's one of the best wrestlers technically in the the industry. Um, It just – 
this feels like a NXT gimmick. And I don't uh, like, and not good NXT, like the products we have now NXT. Um, that's, that's a, that's a shade at some NXT cause their, their booking was terrible. Um, but anyways, um, I just, I don't see Roderick winning. I don't see this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just like, they built this to be orange Cassidy is beat the fuck up and he has to go against the odds of an injured back. And then he's basically injured in every single ligament and can he even wrestle? And then he, they've done this before and he always comes back to win. And so I don't see it any being any different. My question long-term is, are we going to get a Rocky Romero, Rocky Romero, Trent Beretta versus um, Taven and Bennett ROH tag title match on the pre-show? I feel like that could be a pre-show match. It could. It could. That's a good point. Um, However, I will say, and I think that you could also see maybe uh, Sky Blue versus Willow or Julia Hart versus Willow in the pre-show. We'll see. Um, They're going to do Sky and Julia versus Statlander and Willow in a tag match. Yeah. Yeah. And they probably will put them on the main card for another women's match. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I do think you're wrong because I'm going to go with Roddy Strong. Um, Good rhyme pattern right there, my friend. And I didn't even know it. Um, see now you got to do a rap for for our WWE shop. See, <laughs> see that that might be going a little too far. I may do one line and that's it. I can't do a whole thing, whole song like you did. You have that talent, sir. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah. I, as much as I agree with the whole undisputed kingdom and how this this has just been an underwhelming storyline so far. Somehow, I just feel like that that kind of turned around, and they start and they win gold here. Um, and as long as Taven and Bennett are still ROH tag team champions, that means that at least half the group, or more than half the group, has got gold. Um, I guess if Ward though had his pro title opportunity, I, I guess you can see your point. I could, yeah, that's why I think that. But another interesting thing to look into <clears throat> is is does MJF make a, an appearance? In some capacity. Here's my thought, and, and our, our friend Jason, kudos to him. That man has gone through some shiz over the last two months, three months. Uh-huh. Brother is holding on like broken pieces of a puzzle with glue. Um, but like Orange Cassidy. Yeah, quite literally. Him and Orange Cassidy <laughs> may have a lot in common. Um Come hell or high water, that boy is going to be in Greensboro for for, for Revolution Sunday. So uh, that'll be cool. Um, Our friend Jason says that he feels MJF cannot show up until after WrestleMania season, and that's to keep the intrigue of if he's going to re-sign with AEW or sign with WWE, be low profile, which kudos to him and whoever. For the two months that he's been gone, almost three there has not been one peep of him besides Alicia Atout um, posting a picture of him too at, on, at, yeah. on Valentine's Day, Valentine's which he looks yeah. good. Doesn't look like he's in any slings, any kind of thing like that. But it's amazing how there hasn't been one peep of him going anywhere, any kind of return date, just as quiet as a mouse. 
And I think that's a really smart idea. If he has already resigned with AEW, don't show up until maybe after WrestleMania season to make it to make that intrigue higher of oh, is he actually going to WWE? Is he gonna debut at WrestleMania? You know, Raw after Mania? Is he gonna show up at AEW on Revolution at uh, double or nothing on the dynamite? I don't know. I think for sure, no matter what, if he does come back to AEW and re-signs with them, he immediately has to go to the Undisputed Kingdom. He, I get it that Joe is out and he lost to Joe, but I think that his first focus needs to go on the, the the best friend that betrayed him and hurt him the most, and he needs to feud with them. So that's the only reason why I bring it up is because this is the only match on the card besides Wardlow that the Undisputed Kingdom is in, but I think this, I mean, they both have really good stakes to them, but this is for a title. I don't know. Right. Could make, could make sense. Uh, maybe we'll have to see how that goes. Should we talk AEW World Championship, or should we go to the same match? I'll leave that up to you. Triple threat. Triple threat. And see, this is the biggest. This is the biggest concern. And even on the media call, nobody's really sure: is the triple threat going to main event, or is Sting going to main event? I'm a traditionalist, and I'm going to say, as much as I love Sting, and I know this is his final match, he can't main event this goddamn pay per view. But for the sake of my best friend sitting right here, we'll let we'll we'll act like it's the sitting main event, and we'll talk about the triple threat. We got Samoa Joe. <laughs> we got Samoa Joe defending against what Tony Schiavone caught as the liar hangman page. And Samoa Joe fighting Swerve Strickland, who put him in a casket verbally last night, telling him to go back to that poncho on yeah, commentary. Yes, that did. was a good one. That was a good one. You talk. It's funny you bring up Maxwell because I was trying to save this for this match because here's my thinking. Remember I said we haven't seen Adam Cole in quite some time. Yeah. Well, we see Adam Cole show up in this match because, and this is why. Pleasure doing business with you, Joe, is what the devil said. But there's a switch. At World's End, Adam Cole never put on the devil's mask. He just pulled it out of his jacket. Which is to say, hey, Joe, this is a double swerve. It, it looks like I'm swerving MJF. And you can take the belt off of MJF. Let him heal up. But I'm working with MJF. And the devil is actually MJF. Long-term storybooking here. Adam Cole shows up and takes the belt away or ruins Joe's championship run. We'll see Adam Cole show up and later show as we, maybe MJF shows up, maybe not. Maybe he doesn't show up till after WrestleMania. Maybe he shows up Sunday. Maybe he shows up somewhere in between. But could we see a swerve, no pun intended, where... Adam Cole distracts Samoa Joe and says, thank you for doing business, but you lose your belt. 
and we see Swerve get the belt, or we see Hangman win. I think Hangman, like, because I'm, I think Hangman deserves the belt. He's probably the best babyface on NAEW, in my opinion. And I, I just hate the way that his first title run abruptly ended by that bitch named CM Punk. <clears throat> um, and I think this could be reparations for that bitch ruining what was a pretty decent title run. I think Hangman could really use the belt. But at the same time, I think Swerve could really use the belt as well. He's probably the best heel outside of Christian Cage in AEW right now. Um, I'm going to Swerve Strickland to win the match. Solely because Adam Cole shows up or MJF shows up and interferes with Samoa Joe. And we see that MJF is actually the devil and not Adam Cole. Which, by the way, the devil gimmick was voted by Dave Meltzer's fan base as the worst gimmick of 2023. So that's really disappointing. But maybe we can do something. That's saying something. It beat scripts. I don't know how it did. (laughs) It it beat a lot of terrible gimmicks. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean... Maybe I'm wrong. Like, it's easy to say that Samoa Joe retains here, but I, I really think at the end of the day, there's going to be some form of interference with Adam Cole or MJF with Joe, which leads Swerve to be able to pin a hangman and win the belt. So you're officially going with Swerve. Swerve Strickland, my friend. <clears throat> I would love to see Swerve win this match. Really enjoyed his character over the last six, seven months. There's a big button. But I don't want Joe to look like a transition champion. And I feel that's what it kind of would look like because he would only hold. I've, already, I've always felt like Joe's position here was to be a transition champion. I don't I think he was supposed to have a he's, long he's, run. He's a great character, and he can hold oh, on yeah. to that belt, man. He, he he could do it. I do see your point, though, as my dog is in the uh, background. Good, over here. good boy. Um, <clears throat> way to lay on my side of the bed and get it even more hairy. <laughs> wake up with a hairball in my mouth. I I don't like me right now. uh, Yeah, listen. (laughs) um, I'm trying to save up my voice for Sunday. I will say that you need a voice for Sunday. Uh huh. Um, I would love Swerve to win, and I and I and I really enjoy your idea as well. Another caveat into it: my prediction is Joe retains. That is officially my Mm -hmm. prediction. With I would love to see Swerve winning it. But I could also see this happen. We don't get Adam Cole. We don't get MJF. But instead, to me, if you look at this over the last three, four weeks, Joe is kind of the John Moxley, little bit stone cold. I don't give a damn about anybody. I'm kicking anybody's ass. You put him in front of me. I'm knocking him down. I would say he's, yeah, he's a heel, but almost in the middle, in a way, because he's just a badass. 
Swerve has got the crowds. He's become in favor of the crowd, kind of turning him more of a face. Right. And Hangman's actions are, especially with the crowd reaction, has kind of turned him a little bit of a heel. And first of all, I love the fact that we're getting the, we have the Hangman nameplate little funny innuendos that have come back. I, I appreciate those. Those are funny as hell. <laughs> One of my favorite ones, I think it was either last night or two weeks ago, where it was like, Hangman had a page and above it says, not having a good time or, or, yes, yes. or something like that. It's phenomenal. I, I love it. Keep that up. I love it. Here's not what I think will happen, but just an interesting little spin. And it's amazing how, like you said before, this pay-per-view is very it's hard to predict. And there's so many different ways you can go down this avenue and storyline. And here's my take on this. This is the co-main event. Mm-hmm. This hangman thing has started to look more of like a heel-ish looking run. What if the Yum Bucks come out to help him win? They're in cahoots. The EVPs help Hangman win, formally kind of establish the elite again without Kenny. And Kenny's going to play a really big part into this when he comes back. As in to say, what the hell's going on here, guys? I thought we were the elite. I thought, you know, what's this? Why are, we, why are you doing this without me type of thing? That sets up a whole other thing down the line. The Young Bucks and win, kind of establish the elite again, and then that leads into Darby and coming out, and that goes into the tag team title match for the for the main event. Could see that, but I also feel like you're going to give the proper last introduction, big entrance mm-hmm. feel to it as well. But I just think that it's an interesting spin that I, for whatever reason, I just have that in the back of my head of. I could see that happening. That the Young Bucks helped them and kind of started establishing the elite again and make Hangman their Kenny Omega. Um, especially if Hangman wins and the Bucks win the tag titles, now they've got the gold. Um, interesting. Yeah, very interesting little caveat. I don't think it happens, but... Just for whatever reason, that's been formulating in my head. I have Joe winning here. I, I just think that the main storyline here is Joe is just out here to kick everybody's ass and be respected as a champion. And the main thing is between Swerve and Hangman. They're not really paying so much attention to Joe like they should be. Right. And they're going to just beat each other up enough and to where Joe is just going to be a little bit healthier at the end of the match, come in and either choke one of them out or hit one of them with a muscle buster. One, two, three. We got to retaining champion on our hands. So I'm going to go Joe. would really like to see Swerve winning it. The caveat of maybe Hangman Page with the Young Bucks. We just don't know. We just don't know. There's so many ways that this can play out. And I, that's what I love about AEW is you can think of a million different ways for this to play out. But that leaves us with one more match. And this 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 show has gone on a lot longer than most of our other shows. And for that, we apologize. We typically try to keep it within the hour, but this is such a big show that we wanted to go a little bit over. 
Sting and Darby Allen defend the AEW World Tag Team Championships against our EVPs, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson. Not my EVPs. They're yours, but they're not mine. <laughs> those masters. It's hard for me to justify Sting winning his final match, especially with it being for the belt in his final match. But like at the same time, I'm like, I don't want this to be another farewell match where the, the guy leaves defeated and losing his last match. I wish, I wish in some way, shape, or form Sting could get the win. But my official pick is that Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, the Young Bucks, win the AEW Tag Team Championships because their entire storyline is pissing off all of the anti-AEW fans online that I've been criticizing I'll show as being these hypocritical pieces of shit half the time. And that's their entire gimmick. Um, they they poke fun at CM Punk at any chance they can, and I think that's absolutely hilarious. A lot of people. Um, this goes back to was it Rampage last week? I think it was when he, um, they handed Tony Schiavone a gift card to Starbucks and said, "This is our apologies." And everyone's like, "Well, this is just them making fun of just everyday Americans and everyday jobs." Where if you you know if your boss does something out of line. They'll give you a $25 gift card, which I can confirm that that happens a lot because I get a lot of them $25 (laughs) gift cards. But there's deeper than that because there's a story that went in place that when CM Punk arrived in AEW, he handed the entire AEW women's locker room $25 Starbucks gift cards as a way to win over the women's locker room. For whatever damn reason, CM Punk felt like he had to win over the women's locker room. Um, and that's, I think the hidden innuendo there because they just like to poke fun at CM Punk whenever they can. Um, I, I think it's that, but Tony Schiavone did also work at Starbucks as well. So that's part of probably why they did it. That was fair. a big funny thing that, that Tony Schiavone worked at Starbucks. Not, not like 30 years ago, like 10 years ago, he, he just felt like working a normal job at <laughs> Starbucks. Fair, uh, yeah, uh, that's fair. Maybe there's a five, maybe it's both. I don't know. Yeah, there's a bunch but, of yeah. combination of everything, but yes, I love the young bucks gimmick. Um, they they really are destroying the business, as people say. So keep at it, boys. I love it. Please don't fine us. We already don't make enough money here. Um, we love you, and uh, the young bucks win the belts. Yeah, you know, as special it's going to be and as, as memorable of a show it's going to be and as memorable of a moment as this is going to be, I'll probably be breaking down in tears at the end of the night, and, and I'm okay saying that. I really am. And I am. Um, usually the the uh, guy that leaves the territory does the job, does the favor, leaves as a loser, loser leaves town, drops the belt before he leaves for another company. Um, 
that's uh that's what happens that's what happens a lot um I have to take a drink of Celsius. However, that ain't fucking happening on Sunday night. No, it's not. Mm-mm. Nope. Sunday night, March 3rd, the damn stinger goes out on top, baby. It's going to be him and Darby kicking the Young Bucks' ass all over the Greensboro Coliseum. Singer's going to jump from the Raptors through 17 tables. He's going to go out on top. Sting has already said, Darby has already said in the Players' Tribune article that our Darby wrote about Sting two days ago that he's going to do as crazy things as he's ever done before. Sting has wrote in, or, uh, in, an, in a Sports Illustrated article that was posted today. Sting had an interview and he said, I've saved the best for last. I'm giving it everything I got. I'm going to do things I've ever done in the I'm going to take the biggest spots in the world I can. You know what? There's a reason for that. Because he wants to win. The will to win is going to be strong with this one. And damn it, that's what's going to happen Sunday night. Sting and Darby Allen are going to go out. Sting is going to retire a champion just like Peyton Manning did. Just like Ray Lewis did. Just like the greats before him, John Elway included. Dee Borden, the Stinger. Stinger man is going to go out on top. And we will see him hoist that championship over his head with the confetti falling down. With some of the legends ringside, there are there are going to be legends there at the show that, sure, they have a WWE Legends contract, and they cannot technically say that they're going to be at the show for fear of, you know, uh, uh, problematic causes there. But Lex Luger did say on Busted Open today that while I can't formally say if I'm going to be or not, Sting is my best friend. And I'll pose the question, would I miss this for the world? And if you have that answer in your head, it's the answer that will be if I'm going to be there. So Lex Luger is going to be there. Can, can I tell you how Steiner's this is going to end, there. though? Can I tell you how this is going to end? And this is why you're going to cry in your seat on Sunday night. is because we're going to see that. We're going to see that 80-year-old bastard. No, the hell Rick we're not. Flair. Nope. Come into mm-hmm. the ring and nope. defeat and, and turn on nope. Sting. Yes, we are. We're going to see that 80-year-old nope. bastard hyped up on woo energy past his bedtime. If that old son of a bitch <laughs> comes out of here and costs Sting the match, I will get up in section 220 row R, and I will go down there, and I will cripple his old ass myself. I will break <laughs> Rick's hip. And he will not be able to walk again. <laughs> the way he he threw some punches on Wednesday, it looks like he's already halfway there. Yeah, that was uh, that's as much physicality as I want to see Ric Flair ever do again. Because my God, I feel like my dog could probably punch it better than he could. <laughs> that was god awful. It was funny. Richard, I do that anymore. Let's let's stop. Let's celebrate on Sunday night. Let's go out with a bang. Throw some move energies out. Ooh. But we're going to see Sting and Darby Allen going on top. Well, my friend, we shall see this Sunday. Who yes, leaves Greensboro as champions through every single champion that's been defended? We will see the farewell of the Stinger. And while I wasn't the biggest fan or of Sting because, well, one, I didn't grow up 
watching a whole lot of wrestling outside of the WWE. And by the time that I was even cognitive enough to know what wrestling was, uh, I didn't even know what, I didn't even know who a sting was. I didn't know what a TNA was. I didn't Vince Russo. I had no idea who the fuck he was until just a few years ago. Damn it. I, I wish I, I would have never, never learned about <laughs> Vince Russo. <laughs> um, and on a side so, note, Vince Russo, <clears throat> thoughts and prayers to you. Go be diabetes. You got this. Yes, sir. Um, but you go back and you watch Sting's career, and he is a legend in the business. To last this long um, in the business is a feat that not very many people get to say that they can wrestle deep into their 60s and still kind of perform the the move set that Sting works, the, the daredevil type stuff. You know Sting's probably going to re- attempt something that he probably shouldn't on Sunday, but he's going to do it. And hence coming down that from the rafters on Wednesday last night gave me goosebumps, like legitimate oh, goosebumps. Oh, boy, you and me both. You um, and me both. And was not ready for that, but that was damn cool. It was awesome. The, 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 the way that Tony Khan booked last night, the subtle hints of like his final Nitro in the locker room, and then him coming down the rafters. It was beautiful. A good, good tribute to Sting. And, look, I'd love to see him win his final match. I just don't see it happening. But we shall see on Sunday. I'm telling you, he's going to open the show, though. I'm pretty – I'm almost confident that he's going to open the show. That's a conversation for another day. Any last words before we log off for the evening, my friend? Thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Virgil and Ole Anderson, who really? lost two legends uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, so thoughts and prayers out to their families and friends um, through the through that those difficult times. Um, things like that uh, bring bring the energy down a little bit, but um, hopefully they're you know they're they're in a better spot without any pain or suffering. So hopefully that is the case for both of them. Um, all roads lead to Greensboro, North Carolina. It's going to be an amazing night, an amazing show. We're going to be there live and in person, so we'll be doing some tweets. We shared some photos and videos of that, and probably we'll put some cool uh, little uh, montage for next week's show. Um, be on the lookout for that article on Saturday morning that I'll be posting regarding the uh, uh, history of Sting, but my fandom a little bit more in depth and detail in, in a, in a, a long form, uh, <coughs> form um, Saturday morning. So that will be fun as well. Um, I think that um, i trying to think if there's anything else that I can think of. I think that I just wanted to get those, uh, those couple things out there. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Sunday night is going to be a fun night. It sure will. Everybody make sure to check out the Junkyard Media Group. Not only to find this man's article on Saturday morning, but to check out all of our social media pages and all audio forms of both this podcast and the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast hosted by our guys, We Too Deep and DJ Wavy D every Tuesday. Be sure to tune into that. Link in the description for the WWE shop affiliation that we have with them. We're on the road to WrestleMania. I know we shit on them quite a bit tonight. But we still love the WWE in some in some um, narcissistic fashion. 
and um, <laughs> we we would love for y'all to use our link to uh, support the podcast and get your merchandise and and buy that five hundred dollar championship belt that they just put on there a couple of days ago. That that would help us out a whole lot. Um, but uh, no, all all kidding aside, link in the description. Get your merch there as we lead to WrestleMania. Junkyardmediagroup.com. Like, comment, subscribe. Share this with everyone, and I hope you all have a good weekend. We will see you all next Thursday as we talk the fallout of a revolution and then and maybe uh, some other big news or something. We'll, we'll let you know what we talk about early next week. But this has been the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. We same time, out. same place next week. For uh, good old uh, Junkyard, the King Lawler James, I am uh, JRK Dog. Uh, We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody.